0: Hi, folks, it's Bob Vetter here. Before the podcast starts, I wanted to offer you something for free available on my website, www.bobvetter.com. It's a download of a game and map of the healer's journey called Sustos, named after the traumatic events that can lead to soul loss. The game provides insights in how we ourselves can be healed and how that process empowers us in our healing efforts with others. Get your free download at www.bobvetter.com. Now, let's get to our latest podcast episode. Today I'm with Doug O'Brien. Doug O'Brien is the author of the User's Guide to Slight of Mouth. He's a certified trainer of hypnosis, certified trainer of the Havening Techniques, and a master trainer of NLP neuro-linguistic programming, based in New York City. As a hypnotherapist, he helped found the Department of Complementary Medicine at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in the 1990s under Dr. Oz, where he provided pre-surgical hypnosis to cardiac patients. As a seminar leader, he has traveled the world teaching neo Ericksonian hypnosis, sleight-of-mouth, the havening techniques, and storytelling. He's the author of the forthcoming... The Storyteller's Handbook. Greetings, everybody in my listening family. I'm here today with Doug O'Brien. Doug and I are going to be discussing altered states of consciousness and healing. So, Doug, I'd like to begin with talking a little bit about your backstory. So can you tell me about how you got involved in all of this? And by the way, we'll be we'll be considering hypnosis. We'll be looking at... Uh, we'll be looking at Ericksonian hypnosis, we'll be looking at NLP and a variety of subjects. So, Doug, what's your backstory? Well, gosh, Bob,
1: good morning to you too. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> how far back do you want me to go? I, um, gosh, you know, was a teenager back then in the teenage years and and did teenage things like experimenting with, with uh, substances nudge, nudge, wink, wink, know what I mean, know what I mean? And, um, and some of those substances were hallucinogenic of nature, at least they were to me. I remember uh, smoking some of uh, an herb of some kind, which ever remained nameless, although I think it's legal these days, so I shouldn't probably be too worried about it. But um, I had some really amazing hallucinations, actually, some that still inform my uh, belief systems about people and spirituality and stuff. Um, so that's that's kind of interesting. But um but as time went on, I did more of that in college years and and so forth. And um I'm assuming we're talking my backstory as relates to, to what we're talking about today. So altered states and healing. Um, and I, I explored uh some Native American possible um tie-ins with this i worked with a woman named twyla niche who is a healer up in uh, um, the tuscarora reservation and um yeah and then i did just most most of my um explorations were done um on my own with you know probably very dubious um guides like carlos castaneda's teachings of don juan books and those sorts of things and um yeah so I, I probably was exploring but kind of um the blind leading the blind kind of thing as far as actual you know good explorations were concerned but it was certainly got my interest and my attention and then later in, in years i started exploring more things like hypnosis and nlp and i started to see that there was a tie-in that these things had a relation had a, a, a connection and that uh, has again gotten my attention and something that i've been fascinated about for many years now
0: so for the sake of our listeners not everybody knows what nlp is can you tell us what that is I, 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 what <laughs> <laughs> not everyone
1: knows what it is oh my gracious you are blowing my mind robert vetter um nlp bob is um stands for neural linguistic programming the end of the neuro is uh, um, our neurological system. And it's based on the uh, sort of metaphor that our brain is like a computer. So as a departure from normal ways of doing psychotherapy, which is to say, hey, you've got this cauldron of unexpressed emotions in your unconscious mind, which is more of an industrial age metaphor, I suppose. And NLP is more of a computer age metaphor of how the brain worked. So if your brain's like a computer, then, you can program it, right? So if you understand the neural linguistics, the language of the computer that we're working with, the neural linguistics, then you can program it. So neural linguistic programming is the idea behind that. So it's about making change, whether it's um, you know psychological or emotional or you know whatever um, habits changing, you can do a lot of really interesting things with NLP.
0: And what about hypnosis? Tell us a little bit about hypnosis. What's the difference between what the average person thinks about hypnosis and what we're discussing here, what we're about to get into, which is the substance of this. How are people misinformed about hypnosis?
1: Well, gosh, you know, hypnosis is one of those things that everyone seems to know or believe that they know what it means. And very few people really do know what it means. Although I think that's changing. More and more people do know, but it you know it's been around for a long time, and it was very popular you know for a long time. So um, what, one of the ways it got preserved in the days when like Sigmund Freud, poo pooed the whole notion of hypnosis and said, oh no, don't do that stuff, do psychotherapy. That's the way you really do change work. Is what what I'm good at, Sigmund said. So it was really put on the back burner and preserved for many years by stage shows. People went on, you know, do these stage show hypnosis you've seen, I'm sure, where people are clucking like chickens and, you know, the, the, the great and mighty hypnotist comes up to a person who says sleep with an authoritarian voice and they fall into a trance and they're powerless to do anything but what the hypnotist, you know, says to them. At least that's the myth, right? That's what's promoted in the hypnosis shows and also, of course, in movies and TV shows and et cetera. So people think that's true. But it isn't. What Milton Erickson, the great psychotherapist Milton Erickson, um, taught to us is that we are basically all of us in trances all the time. We live in a state of trance. And so in many cases, it's a question of can you wake up from the trance that you're in all the time and, you know, enter into more of a reality state, you know, which is I think what we're talking about here today.
0: So what's the difference between trance and a non, let's call it non-trance? Hmm. Well, that
1: is a million dollar question. Um, in a way, you can't not be in a trance if you're if you're going to be functioning. Because everything you could say has to be uh, either conscious or other than conscious. It's either conscious or it's not conscious. Right? So if you, you know, you're writing, I can see that you're writing something on, the, on your, you know, as you listen to this you're, you're taking notes you know how just how specifically do you do that how do you get that finger or those fingers to move to write the pen that way you know you don't do that consciously you think about what word you want to write but the hand just does it right so the hand just does it when we do this what we're doing right now making sounds with our mouths and then translating you know the sound through the airwaves and our ears take them in and decipher them as language that's an other than conscious process we don't know specifically how we do that, and if suddenly I changed languages and said, you know, you, you wouldn't know, well, I know maybe you would, but you probably wouldn't know what I'm talking about, and it's the same thing, but you don't have that file into your computer, right, so you're not able to access it, you don't know what that is, so most of what we do is done other than consciously so the conscious part of our brain is a very small sliver of awareness of everything else that's going on there so the real question is how do we function best you know how can we use the best trances and be in the best sort of trances to you know have optimal functioning and uh, you know live a happy and you know flow-filled life
0: so what does this have to do with healing
1: Well, when people are in bad trances, then they are in distress. You know, they are in dis-ease. So we want to help to get them back into a sense of ease. So really in a way, this is exactly what we're talking about. We're helping people get out of bad trances into good trances.
0: And how do you do that exactly?
1: I don't know, Bob. (laughs) <laughs> You're asking me all these hard questions at, oh, so early in the morning. Um, you do it with lots of different ways. You know, there's the NLP way, which is you you sort out the structure of exactly how the brain goes from step A to step B to step C like a computer does, and you, you change the programming. You do it with hypnosis. You do these kind of um, ritualized inductions where you put people down into a therapeutic trance. And help them to you know you know shift the trances that they're living um, to a healthy one rather than the you know habitual one that they've been doing. You do it through rituals, you know the sorts of things that you've you have done, where you um, you know light a fire and 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 create smoke and and chant particular things that you do. You know there's there's all sorts of different ways of of un, undoing the old way and getting into a better way.
0: So maybe the best thing to do would be to provide an example. Can you think of any example that you could possibly come up with of somebody who you've worked with who was in a bad trance and was able to, through work with you, shift into a more productive use of trance?
1: Sure, absolutely. I mean, really, in a sense, like I said, that's what I'm always doing with people. So as an example, if a person is... um, experiencing a great deal of stress in their in their workplace which is probably like everybody at some point or another you know what what makes for stress what makes for stress while you're driving a car you know what makes for this stressful thing the fact of the matter is you are doing something you've always you know d- done you're you're talking with someone you're you know you're looking at a face on a computer you're you're having a meeting you're doing things that are common and yet one day they're stressful and one day they're not why what's the difference the difference is simply what's going on in the person's brain maybe they think oh this has to be done by five and it's only already 4 30 and i am only halfway done oh my god oh my god oh my god so they talk to themselves in that way and because they're talking to themselves in that way they create the stressful response in their body and that's a trance because we all know time is a you know, abstract thing that human beings have created. It doesn't really exist. So saying it's five and, oh, oh my gosh, that means blah, 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 blah. You know, that's all self-induced, right? Or somebody looks at me in a certain way and it's like, oh, well, he's pissed off. I don't know what to do with that guy. He's just like, oh, gosh. You know, that's, again, is an interpretation I've made in my brain and have created this, you know, vocal commentary in my brain has produced this response in my body, you know, the stress response in my body. And it's all self-induced, really. You know, there's a, Eleanor Roosevelt once said, nobody can make you feel bad without your permission, right? We we create these things inside ourselves. Nobody can make you feel bad. But if they say these things and look at you a certain way and say with a certain tonality and intensity, it's like, uh-oh, your brain goes, that's a threat. And you know, your brain interprets these things. and. Blah, blah, blah. And suddenly you're feeling stressed. So yeah, as an example, person who is stressed commonly in their workplace, we can look to how they are doing that to themselves and you know, find out what specific pattern this particular person is doing, because everybody's different and everybody's the same. You know, they're doing something, you know, that's the same. They're doing something and they're causing it. That's the same. But what specifically they're doing is up to them. Right. So we have to find out. How that particular person is doing this particular process in order to get that particularly stressful response in them. And then we change it. So don't do that. <laughs> do this instead and give them some other response. Or perhaps some other meaning. As an example, there's a um a, a story that was told, I think, by Stephen Covey about um there was a the story is this. There was a, a man on the on a, on a Subway, I think my memory of it is it was a subway story. It might have been a bus, public transportation of some kind. And he's just kind of in a trance, you know, he's kind of spaced out and he's not paying attention. His kids are running all around and that's not a good idea anytime, you know, but, um, you know, on a subway, it's not good. The car's moving, there's people there. You don't know who they are, blah, blah, blah. He's not paying any attention. Kids are getting obnoxious. People are upset about it. So finally, this person goes over to the man and says, Excuse me, sir, could you control your children, please? They're making an annoyance out of everybody. Plus, it's dangerous for them. And he says, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. Sort of snaps out of his trance. and says, sorry, sorry. Um, kids, kids, come, come sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Quiet. And he looks at the guy and says, I'm really sorry. We we're just coming back from the hospital. They just lost their mother. And suddenly, everything changes. Everybody on the whole subway car goes, oh, my God, you poor guy. You know. So they shift in a heartbeat. From being like these angry, what's wrong with this guy thing to the being this this compassionate group of people that want to help this poor man and the suffering children, you know. So changing a meaning, changing changing a a frame can change everything for a person sometimes as well. So a person who's stressed out at work, maybe you can find that way of reframing the perceptions of what's going on so they don't feel stressed anymore.
0: Can you give us an example of an actual person? Let's, we can call him George or Mary.
1: Oh, you know George? Sure. <laughs> what, what do you, an actual person like what, what do you want? No, right I mean
0: in? an actual person who you've worked with. So just anybody that we can use as an example somebody who has suffered in some way, and you were able to apply any of these techniques from NLP and or Ericksonian hypnosis to help them change meaning associated and reduce or end their suffering. Sure, absolutely.
1: I'll, I'll tell you a very specific. Coincidentally, it's George. George was this client of mine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's funny because I used to, work live of course as as you you, i'm sure did too prior to covid people would come into the office and i had a you know hypnosis chair and there are these kind of rituals if you will that happened there in the office and so there's kind of this uh i don't know kind of unspoken trance induction that came came to play when they walked in and sat down on the trance chair and you know we dimmed the lights and I talked differently to you know it was very interesting but but this is all done on zoom these days so this particular George I've never even met in person I've seen his face on the zoom screen but that's about it but um George is uh working in a in an office he is a he has a job, and um, he has a, has been having lots of trouble making eye contact with people. One of his he's very good at what he does, but he, he people think he's aloof, and people think he's not interested because he's got this aspect, this this shyness, this response of when I look someone directly into the in their eyes, I I, I get nervous, I feel this feeling, that I have to look away, and so I'm always finding an excuse to look away and i never really make eye contact with somebody and that's been a problem for him in his office so we did this thing where i said okay i'm gonna count backwards i know i didn't do that i did a trans induction hypnotic trans induction and so we got him to be in this place where he was having eye fixation so he was focusing his eyes in one spot and then you know I, i used this mandala kind of thing to focus your eyes in this one spot. And then I um, got him into a really good place where he was really comfortable focusing on that one spot. And then I said, Okay, now, let's do this. And I shifted the frame. And I had him focus on my eye, you know, pick pick one of these two eyes of mine and focus there. And that's the, just the same as the center of the mandala. And we, you know, applied the same anchor, if you will, to the comfort with the center of the mandala to looking at the center of my eyeball kind of thing. And and he um, got very comfortable in this trance looking at that. And then we just applied that to everyone else in the world as well, that it's okay to be in your trance. You can communicate whatever it is you need to communicate and feel comfortable while looking at the eye like this. And we didn't succeed right away. It took a couple, three goes about this. And we also uncovered some other Issues about why he developed this in the first place, so we actually had to do a little uh, archaeology, psychological archaeology, to uncover where it all came from, as well. But um, within you know two three sessions, it was you know it was history. It was no longer an issue.
0: Can you explain what you meant by anchoring? That's something that's very fundamental to NLP, but a lot of people listening may not know what that means
1: okay cool yeah basically what we talk about when we talk about anchoring in nlp is a is a, a kind of stimulus response relationship so that you get connected you get this connection to this means that so um you know pavlov's dogs is a classic example of what i'm talking about it's a stimulus response that the dogs were you know shown food and while they're salivating for the food pavlov rang a bell so that ringing of the bell became the anchor for the dogs. So anytime you rang the bell, the dogs would salivate, whether or not there was any food around, you know, it was just connected um, neurologically. So when the client was, you know, looking at the center of the mandala, feeling very comfortable, you know, that connection of looking in the center, feeling comfortable, looking in the center, feeling comfortable got translated to the eye, looking the center of the eye, but the center is comfortable. So this is comfortable. This means that—that's a connecting connection. Yeah.
0: So in that example that you just gave, mm-hmm. what part, in your opinion, does an altered state of consciousness play?
1: Um, I believe that the altered state of consciousness is a interrupter of of normal patterning. So in other words. Um, in normal patterning, people get this direct line from the stimulus to the response. You know, I look in someone's eyes, I feel nervous. Direct response, boom, click, or click, whir, or whatever. You know, this means that it happens automatically. Um, I think trance becomes an interrupter of that. You know, so, you know, where this automatic response took place, now it sort of is just, you know, put on hold, and suddenly time, has slowed down and uh, the click happens, but then the whir happens later. And there's this gap in between where we can, you know, put another step in there. So instead of getting all the way to the whir, it's you know, the click goes to this new spot of comfort. And I, tra- I think trance helps, helps you to do that. You can do it without the, you know slowing down that much you can do it with nlp processes where you just basically anchor some new things in rather quickly um, that's the kind of beautiful thing about nlp is that it can go quickly but it's the same process you know it's just so a fast
0: you reference. could then say that that if we use the the terminology of nlp the pattern interrupt that this is a strategic use of relaxation in order to uh, interrupt not only the, the pattern that the person is used to, but the association, the anxiety that that X produces for that mm-hmm.
1: person. Yes, yes, precisely. And by the way, what I also do with,
0: what I have done with
1: this particular client, George, but also with other clients throughout my career, is I'll also um, make a recording for them that they can listen to at nighttime. Because I think that we often we as human beings often um, misuse the opportunity of sleeping um, and and kind of give ourselves negative suggestions because there is a period of time in my book, Robert, where um, between the time where you are fully awake and where you have fallen completely asleep, there is a period of time that's in between where you are in a kind of naturally occurring hypnosis state, right? So you're not awake, you're not asleep. You know, so you're in between this naturally occurring hypnotic state. And most people misuse that time. They say to themselves things like, oh, gosh, I better get some sleep. If I don't get some sleep, I'm going to be wrecked tomorrow. Oh, God, I wonder if that's going to happen. I wonder if that thing, oh, that doesn't, you know, so they, so they talk to themselves. They think about things. They imagine stuff. They beat themselves up, blah, 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 give themselves perhaps even unintentionally negative suggestions by saying things like, okay, well, okay, what I'm, I'm not going to get upset, don't get upset about this, whatever you do, just relax, don't be upset, you know, and best of intentions, but you know, don't think of the color blue, Bob, right? do you know, the brain doesn't get these negations. So don't think of this. Okay, I will. Thank you. So what's a much, much better way to use this naturally occurring hypnosis, because you're, of course, in a trance you're susceptible to suggestion better way to use this naturally occurring trance called sleep is to give yourself positive suggestions at that time so i'll make them a recording that has all these positive suggestions in there it's very relaxing you know maybe walking along the beach sort of stuff or whatever but something that's very relaxing imagery with positive suggestions in there so instead of worrying about these things that you know they don't want to happen we just let them feel really comfortable in a dreamlike state of visualizing what they want to have happen. And so it's much more likely that it sh- it will after that.
0: So what about a, a listener who wants to try that out and maybe doesn't have access to the recording? Could they say the same things to themselves that you're describing now?
1: Yeah, basically. Basically, or they could download the recording, it's on, on uh, YouTube.
0: Oh, your recording is available on YouTube?
1: <laughs> well, not the exact one I'm referring to, but a very, 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 very similar one is. Yeah. Um, I'll get you the link, I'll put it in the chat for you. But it's um it, it is it is yeah, easily done by a person's own self once you know what it is. Basically it's affirmations, isn't it? You know, you want to give yourself positive affirmations like I am going to be happy tomorrow. You set your intention you to give yourself positive affirmations instead of saying what you don't want. You know, don't do that. It's most it's more saying like, I do want this and I will do that kind of thing. Um,
0: I but I will familiar with with affirmations, it's, mm-hmm. it's nice to to connect them with an altered state of consciousness, though, in order for it to go below that conscious level that's saying, do I really believe that? Right. Is that really possible? Can I do that, that, that questioning negative mind? I have the link here for you, Bob, you can. Okay. So for everybody who is listening, it's HTTPS colon slash slash YouTube, but there is.
1: Maybe, maybe Bob, they could just think of the title and, Search That's on the title. Even better.
0: So what's the, the title, Doug?
1: Title is sleep, walk on the beach, comma with Doug O'Brien. It's actually sleep hyphen, walk on the beach, hyphen, with Doug O'Brien.
0: So our listeners could actually go to that themselves in order to use it. Yeah. Wonderful.
1: Yeah. I put it up there. It was um, something that I used to charge money for. But I put it up there uh, at the beginning of the pandemic because there was so much stress about it happening that I thought it'd be nice for people to have a a de-stressing opportunity there.
0: Well, what a nice resource for our listeners! All that is great. Um, So, so Doug, let's talk a little bit now about uh, you and me working together. I mean, uh, that's—I didn't announce that earlier in this podcast, but. Uh, Doug and I will be doing co-teaching a workshop, and the title is,
1: <laughs> I was hoping you knew at the top the, the reaction. Drum roll, please. <laughs> um, yes, um, yes, I'll be right on that in just one second. The, the title is Accelerated Healing with Altered States of Consciousness.
0: Yeah, so, so Doug and I have teamed up to lead this workshop here in February, uh, on February 12th, 2022, um, and we're going to be looking at kind of the intersection of Doug's work and my work. So we'll be looking at specific techniques, a lot of the substance of what Doug has been discussing so far in terms of um, things that come out of Ericksonian hypnosis and things that come out of neuro-linguistic programming. And we'll also be looking at healing practices that come out of other cultures, out of non-Western cultures. We'll be looking at how ceremony impacts this. We'll be looking at how uh, sound and music affect this as well. And looking at specific techniques that, that you the participant uh in the the workshop can utilize in your everyday life so doug you know we're kind of getting to the end of our our podcast Um, in addition to that what you described a moment ago this this free resource that everybody can have if they go to youtube uh, what else are what else do we have as ways that people can get in touch with you and learn more about your work
1: did you tell people the website to get to the workshop?
0: No, let's do the that. Ericksonian.com. So ericksonian.com yeah. is Doug O'Brien's um website. And there our listeners can sign up for this workshop. Is that right? That is correct.
1: And just to be sure, um Ericksonian in this case is named after Milton Erickson, the hypnotherapist, is uh, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. I-A-N, after Ericksonian hypnosis. So ericksonian.com, if you go to the training page, you'll find our our training there. There are other resources as well on ericksonian.com and also ericksonian.info has other resources as well for people who want to do some self-hypnosis. There's things that they can do there as well.
0: Excellent. So our workshop, just one more time to review, Will be from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Saturday, February 12th. Uh, you can access the free resources that Doug talked about. You can sign up for the workshop at ericsonian.com. Doug O'Brien, thank you so much for being with us this morning.
1: Pleasure being here with you, Bob, as
0: always. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Before you go, I wanted to remind you of free healing resources available on my website www.bobvetter.com. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.